I want to introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, he is all the way from Australia and South Africa, from Awaken Africa. I want to introduce this morning Keanu Maddock. Come on up, bro. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. You're awesome. Come on. The Spirit of Jesus is in the house this morning. So if you need or you want a healing in your body, you, maybe it's a headache, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's diabetes, maybe it's uh, dementia, maybe it's arthritis, maybe you're missing a limb, maybe uh, it's foot pain or knee pain or any kind of pain or sickness or infirmity in your body, I want you to stand up right now. We were literally singing about a God who can raise the dead seven minutes ago. So if you need a healing in your body, stand up right now. Okay, now look around. If you see someone standing next to you, I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. Because we're not called to be mere spectators. We're, more, we're called to be participants in the agenda of heaven. Amen? Amen? Come on. So let's begin to pray for these people right now in the name of Jesus. We command every infirmity. We command every sickness. We command every kind of virus to leave these bodies right now. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the God who raises the dead. We thank you, Jesus, that you're a God who's not just sitting on the throne of heaven and just watching children, but we thank you that you sent your great Holy Spirit to touch our lives and to touch our bodies so that we could be effective witnesses in this world of the testimony of Jesus Christ that is not dead in the grave, but is alive, is risen to life, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, now, I want you to ask the person that you were praying for. Can you test it out? Ask them to test it out. Go on, ask them to test it out. Ask them if they can feel a difference. Ask them if anything has shifted. Okay, now, something shifted in your body. Just wave your hand at me. Okay, we've got one, we've got two, three, four, five, six. If something like physically shifted, not like, yes, I'm healed, and then you're like still walking away with a limp. No, like something physically happened right now. Just put your hand up. Just put your hand. Just have a look around the room. Does anyone want to come and share what Jesus just did in their body? Who wants to come share? You want to come share? Come. Can we get her a microphone? Thanks, guys. What's your name? Lori. Lori. Everyone say hello are, to are Lori. You, are you on Facebook? Yeah. I've seen that face. <laughs> okay. Um, I hit my here with the rake a few months ago, and it just, people said time, and I've been taping it up, and still trying to motate. And so when you said, is there anything wrong? I said, yes. And then when they were praying and touching me, I moved it like I haven't been able. Wow. Come on. Amen. Is that, Lori, is there any pain left in there? Well, if I hit it with a rake, it might. <laughs> Praise God. No, because I've been knitting, and, it, and my sister gave me her thingy. She's going to have an operation. Come on. And I've been, like I said, I've been taping it, so I don't Amen. do it again. But I'm, look! Yay! Yes. That's amazing. Praise God. Praise God for Lori. Awesome. Well, uh, who knows that if we can't honor the little things like that, we can't honor when someone's raised from the dead. Amen. Who here wants to raise people from the dead one day? Come on now. It's what he's called us to do. In Matthew chapter 10, he says, go out into the cities and he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, uh, cast out demons and raise the dead. Amen. Come on. 
Well, uh, hey, it's an honor to be with you here this morning. Uh, thank you, Pastor Joel and Pastor Lindsay and Pastor Jeff and Pastor Robbie for having me. It's an honor. And thank you for the, the donations and giving us a shout out. It's such a, such a blessing. Come on. Love you guys. Yes. Um, well, uh, if you haven't been with us the past uh, several weeks, we've been doing an exegetical, exegetical study through the book of Ephesians. And, uh, and today we're landing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get stuck into it. Sound good? Awesome. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We're going to read it again. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Father, we just thank you for your goodness over our lives. God, we thank you that it says that you bring rain on the just and the unjust. God, I thank you that God, I thank you that there are unjust people in this place today and they're going to have an encounter with you. I thank you, God, that there are just people in this place and they're also going to have an undeniable encounter with you this morning. Holy Spirit, we did not come to this place expecting just another church service where we just clap our hands and do nothing and lean back and, and just let the speaker speak or the preacher preach, God. But Lord, we came with an expectancy this morning to touch heaven. Great Holy Spirit, we honor you in this place and we say, have your way. We don't give you room, we give you the room. Right, come on. Holy Spirit, come. Just begin to say, come. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. It says in Revelations that the Spirit and the bride say, come. They're beckoning the return of Jesus. They are beckoning the return of Jesus. Our blessed hope. God, we thank you that today people are going to have an undeniable encounter with you. They're going to see you. They're going to see you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Who here has ever seen Man of Steel? Superman. Come on. Yeah, there it is. Uh, there's a moment in Man of Steel where Clark Kent or Cal Al, I think his name is, where Obviously, his Superman, he has incredible strength, he has incredible speed, he's super. And, and he has this moment where he goes on a path of discovery to find out his identity, where he came from, what his origins are. And he comes into the spaceship and he has this encounter with his father. And his father begins to tell him of his ancestry, of his history, of his origins. And his father begins to tell him, and his father begins to speak to him. And as his father is speaking to him, he gives him vision for his future. He doesn't just say where he's come from, but he says where he is going as well. He gives him vision and purpose and hope of how he can lead the world in a, into a place that looks better. And after this encounter with his father... He steps out and he begins to test and he begins to walk in a way that was different than how he walked previously. He begins to walk in a manner that is far more, uh, that is far more in line with what he was born for than what he did previously. He had the strength inside of him. He had everything he needed inside of him. But he never knew how to step into it. You could say he had an awakening. You could say he had a revelation of what he is and who he is and what he's meant to do with his life. And I believe that today, 
Likewise, we, when we read and when we look into this verse, when we look into the calling that we have been called to outwork in our lives, we are going to have a revelation that's going to push us into a different trajectory and is going to push our lives into a different place than what we thought we could ever go. Because some people think, oh yeah, I'm called just to be a lumberjack. I'm called just to be an accountant. I'm called just to to work this nine-to-five job. I'm called just to do this little occupation here. I'm called just to be in full-time vocational ministry. I'm called just to do this or do this. But I want to tell you that those things are not your calling. At most, they are your secondary calling. But there is a calling that God has called you to walk in. There is a plan and a purpose that God has over your life that he desires for you to walk in every day. And it's really awesome. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give two implications of uh, when we outwork our calling and when we walk out our calling, the two implications it's going to have on our lives. Then I'm going to tell us what our calling is, and then I'm going to tell us how to walk in it. Because our life ought to fulfill the calling that God has called us to. So the first one is this. The first implication that outworking the calling of God on our lives is going to have on our lives is the way in which we engage with God. It's going to change everything about the way that you interact with the God of the universe. It's going to change the way that you approach the throne of grace. You're going to come to him boldly. You're going to come to him with confidence. You're going to come to him because you understand that you're covered by the blood of the lamb. And it says, it says this in Hebrews. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We're going to approach God with confidence and with boldness. We're going to begin to collaborate with God. A lot of people think God's just this ginormous puppet master and we're just puppets. And it's like, God, what sandwich should I eat for lunch today? God's not a puppet master. He's not someone that wants to tell you every single little thing that you need to do with your life. You're like, God, do I flip the page this way or this way? God's not a puppet master. And when we understand the calling that we have, that God's calling us to, we're going to step into a place of collaboration with him. We're going to step into a place of co-laboring with Jesus. We're going to step into a place where he wants to have conversation and dialogue with us. We're going to begin to ask for audacious things. We're going to be people who are audacious and we're like, golly, I'm going to go raise that dead person back to life. Hey, they were just in a car accident and there's blood everywhere and it's hectic and let's go. We're going to be people who ask for audacious things, which is why Jesus says, ask and you will receive. He says, when you ask, you don't, he says, you do not receive because you do not ask. But when you ask, you ask uh, with incorrect motive or, or you ask incorrectly. So how do we ask correctly? We come into alignment with his will for our life and for the world around us. When If we sin, we will run to him instead of away from him. Golly, I made a mistake. Oh God, I can't face God. No, when we understand our calling and when we walk out the calling of our lives, our response to sin won't be to retract from God, it will be to press into him. The devil would love for you to retract from God. At any cost, he wants to remove you. He wants to separate you from the love of God. But our response, when we understand our call, when we understand what God has called us to do, is going to be to press into him. And we will understand that we are approved by him. 
that we will understand that I don't need to do so many good works that He will love me and then He will accept me and then, and then I'll be welcomed into His kingdom. No, no, no. You're welcomed in. And it's from that place of affirmation. It's from that place of welcoming in. Before you've done any good thing that you could think of, He says, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. This is how we operate. And it's from that place that we operate. It's from the approval of God that we operate. We see when Jesus gets baptized, he goes down into the water and he comes up and it says that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him and the Father spoke from heaven. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus did anything, before he did any of his earthly ministry, before he healed people, before he cast out demons, before he did any of that, the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. So the only prerequisite for pleasing God, for bringing pleasure to the heart of the Father, is to trust him, to believe in him. Not our good works, but only by his perfect work on the cross. So that's the first implication it's going to have on our life. It's going to, and that was, that was not even an exhaustive list of things or ways in which it's going to shift our relational dynamic with the Father. That was just a few. But we need to carry on because I'm running out of time really quickly. We have only got three more hours. Let's go. <laughs> we're, going to go we're going to overflow into the second service. So the second way, the, uh, the second implication this will have on our lives when we understand our call and when we walk in the calling that God has for us is it's going to change the way in which we engage with society. It's going to change the way in which we engage with society because we will no longer, we will now refuse to be controlled by other people. Who hates being controlled? Who loves being controlled? Ah, no one. <laughs> because being controlled sucks because we want to be free and we want to do what we want to do. But, and when we walk in the calling that God has for us, it is going to force us to be in a place that we refuse to be controlled by other people. We're going to refuse to care about the opinions of people. We're going to refuse to care about what people will say about us or what people do to us. And we're going to be like, hey, you can't manipulate me. I'm free. And what's awesome is that when we truly come from, when we truly enter into a place of freedom, of not caring what people think, and we're free from the fear of man, we can actually truly love people. We can only truly love people when we are free from them. Because now I'm not doing things to please you and, and your little manslave. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that can love you regardless of what you do to me. You could slap me in the face and I can still choose, hey, I love you. It doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you say to me. I choose to love you. I choose to give Jesus to you. Because he's called me to do that. We won't, we won't bow to the ideological cows of the world. When we walk out the calling of God that he has for us, inevitably, we won't be able to bow down to the golden king statue. We won't be able to bow down to the golden cow. Because if we're walking out the calling of God on our lives, we can't. The two are incompatible. You can't bow to God and bow down to the ideals and the philosophies of the world. They're incompatible. We won't be engaging in the sinful pastimes of our society. If we're out walking, out working the call of God on our lives... We can't. Because firstly, you've got you've been given a new nature and you'll find it absolutely detestable. You'd be like, oh, that's so disgusting. Why are you even doing that? Why are you even talking about that? That's gross. Ugh. Like imagine if I offered you a handful of like dirt, like pig dirt. And I've seen pig dirt and I've smelt it. It's horrible. Like imagine if I gave like picked up in my hand, I'm like, you should eat this. 
You'd be like, ugh, like no. Right? That's what sin will become like when we start outworking the call of God on our lives. Because we, we don't have time for that stuff anymore. That's why he says, I think it's in Timothy, he says, a no good soldier entangles himself in civilian pursuits. His only goal is to bring pleasure, is to please the one who enlisted him. Like, man, I ain't got no time for sin. I'm doing greater things. I'm walking in the call of God for my life. We will release the power of heaven into our society. If we outwork the call of God on our lives, we will release the power of heaven into our society. Because we're here to destroy the works of the devil, heal the sick, cast out demons, and violently advance the kingdom of God. Some people say, oh, you shouldn't chase miracles. I disagree. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all these things will follow you. Will water miracles. It's the breaking out. It's the destroying of Satan's kingdom and it's the releasing and the establishment of God's kingdom in the earth. You know what? There's no sickness in heaven. So my only option is to evict it out of earth. There's no depression in heaven. My only option is to evict it out of the earth. Correct? Or am I wrong? So what am I doing? I'm chasing the kingdom of God. I'm chasing the destruction of Satan's kingdom and the establishment of God's kingdom in the earth and in the world around us. We will see people for who they really are. We will see people for who they really are because everything that the call of God is for me, it is also for your neighbor. C.S. Lewis says this, and it's a bit of a long quote, so bear with me, but it's really good. And I encourage you, go read The Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis. It will change your life. But it says this. That clock's going down by so fast, guys. It says this. It may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter, because it's talking about glory, and it's awesome. It is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor, The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it and the backs of the proud will be broken. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another. All friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. These are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. And he carries on. I'm just like, we should just read this book instead of me preaching, guys. (laughs) Nations, cultures, arts, civilization. These are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, which is like a little tiny bug. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. 
This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind. And it is, in fact, the merriest kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. And our charity must be a real and costly love with deep feelings for the sins in spite of which we love the sinner. No mere tolerance or indulgence. Golly, I hate tolerance. No mere tolerance or indulgence which parodies love as flippancy parodies merriment. Tolerance parodies love. Catch this. This is like the big kahuna right here. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, who is Jesus. Your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. If he is your Christian neighbor, he is holy in almost the same way. For in him also Christ, via latitat, the glorifier and the glorified, glory himself is truly hidden. Glory himself is concealed in the person that you are sitting next to right now. Can you just look in the person's eyes next to you? Like just look and just, just hold that there. Just, just hold, just hold it there. Just keep looking. I see people not looking. You need to look. Right now, look into the eyes of the person next to you. And just hold that there, just for a minute. I'm just going to keep speaking. And while I'm speaking, just, just keep looking. Just keep looking. You see, the person that you're looking into, the person's eyes that you're gazing into right now, you may be looking at a sister, you may be looking at a brother, a father, a mother, a grandfather, a sister, a daughter, a son, a cousin, a friend, a spouse. You may be looking in their eyes. Keep looking in their eyes. Don't stop now. Come on. This is like deep gazing time. But more than what they are to you, who they are to God is an image bearer. More than what they are to you, they are a child of God made in the image and the likeness of the God of the universe. And the reality is, keep looking, keep looking. The reality is, is that one day they will spend an eternity with heaven or they will spend an eternity separated from God and hell. And we got to fight tooth and nail to ensure they don't go to the latter. we got to violently advance the kingdom of God. And when we understand the call of God, you can look this way now, when we understand the call of God on our lives, it will drive us. It will, the burden of love will be so heavy on our backs that it will drive us and compel us to see people for who they are and to reach the lost at any cost. Yeah. Who here now wants to know what the calling of God is on your life. Who, how, how many? Because it, it has big implications for our lives. It changes everything. Now, this is big, so I hope you drank your coffee. And I hope you can keep up with me because we're going for it today. This is what he has in store. Follow me here. Josie's going to put up on the screen. Go, good job, Josie. You're awesome. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're essentially going to s- summarize... We're going to go from the beginning of Ephesians. So it says, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I don't fully understand what that means, but it sounds awesome. Next one. Made us holy and blameless before him. You are called to be a holy people. You are called to be separated from the world. You are called to look different from the world. And you are called to be blameless, without spot, without wrinkle, as though nothing had ever tarnished your soul. Next one predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. He chose you. He selected you. You're called to be a child of God. You're called to be a son or a daughter of God. Next one. 
In Him, we have redemption through His blood. He purchased us back from darkness. He purchased us back from the the snares of the devil and from the kingdom of this world. He bought us back with His own blood. Next one. The forgiveness of our trespasses. He has forgiven us. The relationship between us and God has been reconciled to a place where where it's as though nothing had ever happened. Because that's real forgiveness. It restores the relationship to a place where nothing had ever happened. Next one. Makes known to us the mystery of His will. Some people think, oh, I can't know the mind of God. Wrong. You can know the mind of God. Because if you have the Spirit of God, you can know the mind of God. Next one. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We are called to be possessed by the Spirit of the living God. We're called to be people who are inundated and filled to overflowing with the Spirit of Jesus. Next one. The God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowledge of Him. That we would be people that walk in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So much so that people don't understand how we understand so much, but we understand it because we have downloads from heaven. This is what you're called to. Next one. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. I don't know what that means, but that also sounds awesome. Next one. (laughs) That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That you would know that Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. That we one day, that we are waiting for him to come back one day and set everything right. And it's going, yes, God. It's going to be awesome, guys. That you would know that. Next one. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, there is an inheritance that he is preparing and he is storing up for us. He is planning, he is preparing, he is setting things aside so that we can inherit them one day. Next one. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us believe who believe. God is on your behalf. He is fighting for you. He is your shield. He is your defender. He is one that is working things for your good. It says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Next one. Even when we're dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. You were once dead, but now you're alive in Christ. You have a brand new nature. You're a born-again believer. You're a born-again person. You were once dead, but now you're alive. You have a brand new nature. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, You are now a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. Next one. Uh, Seated with him in the heavenly places. When we read earlier in Ephesians, it talks about Jesus being seated in heavenly places. And we get to be seated next to him. We're seated with Jesus. We're co-laborers with Jesus. Next one. Guys, I told you, drink your coffee. Is it up there? Praise God. Uh, oh my goodness, that's a long one. So he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That he wants to show us, he wants to lavish on us his kindness and his glorious kindness. Next one. We are his workmanship. You are designed and fashioned after the very image of God. You are, you are his masterpiece. He made everything and then he's like, and this is the greatest thing I've ever created. Next one. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You have a plan and you have a purpose to fulfill on this earth to bring good, to bring the kingdom of God, to destroy the works of the devil and establish the kingdom of God. You were created. You have significance. You have importance. You have, you're not just working a mundane job. You are working to see the kingdom of God advance. Next one. 
Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There is no distance between us anymore. Whether relational proximity or location proximity, we are as close to God as we will ever be. He's closer than the lungs in your uh, than the air in your lungs, closer than the blood in your veins, closer than your best friend and closer than your most intimate lover. We've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Next one. For he himself is our peace. We're called to operate in peace. We're called to live in a place of peace. That even though there may be storms around us, we have peace inside of us. It doesn't matter what external circumstances are happening around you, you can have peace inside of you because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. For through him, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. There's no hindrance to the Father. There is unhindered, unrestricted access, premium access, VIP access to the throne of grace. Next one. You are citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You're a citizen of heaven. And you know what comes with being a citizen of of heaven? All of the rights, all of the benefits, and all the responsibilities. Be assured, there are responsibilities for being a citizen of heaven. And we get all of them, and it's awesome. Next one. This is so cool. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We collectively are being built into a temple, into a a dwelling place for the Holy Ghost, because we're meant to operate in community, in godly, rich, godly community. Next one. The Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. If you didn't know, you're what the Bible calls a Gentile, and so am I, because we're not Jewish, unless there's any Jewish people here. But we get all of the benefits now, all of the promises and all of the plans that were promised and reserved specifically for the Jews. Now we also get to partake in those, because we've been grafted into Christ Jesus. Next one. Oh my goodness, what is that? Okay, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He wants you to demonstrate an example the wisdom and the knowledge of God to all the hosts of heaven, the angels, the demons, and all that may be there. You. He wants you to example and demonstrate the wisdom of God, the just decrees, the insights, the wisdom, the knowledge, the love of God, the power of God. He wants you to demonstrate it before all of it. Next one. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We have boldness. We're not a shy people. We're not a timid people. It doesn't mean that we're rude. It doesn't mean that we're not meek and not kind. It means that it doesn't matter what people think about me. I'm confident in the person of Jesus because he is the foundation of my life. All hell can be breaking around me. All the foundations can be shook. But because the foundation is solid, we won't be shook. Next one. In him, we have boldness. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, the gospel never promises us a comfortable life. It never promises us an easy life. What it does promise us, though, is the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, to strengthen and empower us to overcome any adversity, any trial, any struggle that we may face. Next one. The Christ may dwell in your hearts. The Christ may dwell in your hearts, that he may reside there and live there, and your heart would be an abode that he is pleased with. Next one. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
How much strength does it take to comprehend all the love that God has for us? That you would know it. Next one. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Come on, if that doesn't get you jacked up, I don't know what will. Like to be filled with all the fullness of God. Last one. So now, everything that we've just read was a quick summary, and not even all of it, from three chapters in one book of the Bible. And it says this now, this last verse before we get to chapter 4. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So everything that we just went through now, God's like, I'll, I'll, I'll top that. I'll beat that. You think you can understand that? No, 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 no. I've got more for you. And then we come to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And you may be thinking, man, that's overwhelming. Good. Be overwhelmed. Be completely overwhelmed by the magnitude of what is calling you to walk in. Be utterly dwarfed by the vastness of the calling of God on your life. How, could, like, how do we even do this? And you're like, I don't even understand. Hey, neither do I. But as we go, as we continue to walk it out, as we continue to walk step by step with Jesus, more is going to be revealed to us. We're going to start to outwork it more. We're going to start to understand it more. You see, what is on your life is far greater than just working a job. It's far greater than your human occupation on earth. And now I want to tell us how we outwork this in our lives. Because now we know what the calling of God is for us. And be assured, this is for each and every single one of us in this room. This calling is for every single person. Who wants to know how to live this out? When we're trying to figure out how to do this, we need not look any further than Jesus. You know, Keanu, that's a bit of a cop-out answer. No, it's not. It says this of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. If we can get Austin... That'd be awesome. Come play some keys for us, brother. You see, when we, when we look to Jesus, something happens. When we look at the person of Jesus, when we sit in the presence of Jesus, something happens. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, we all, with unavailed face, no hindrances, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So how do I outwork? How do I live a life that fulfills the calling of God? Fall madly in love with Jesus. 
fall madly in love with Jesus, wildly pursue Him, unreservedly seek His face, chase after Jesus, chase after all that He is and all that He has. It's not enough just to come to church once a week and then that's your your fix. We can't just have Sunday Christians. We can't have people who just say, I'm a Christian because I go to church every now and then. What makes you a Christian is your following of Jesus. What makes you a Christian is not that you go to church. It's not that you read the Bible. It's not that you pray. It's that you follow Jesus. And you need to follow Him. You need to desperately pursue Him because He's the only thing that matters. He's the beginning and He's the end and He's all of the middle too. All that we need to do is look at the face of Jesus because as we behold Him and as we gaze upon Him, we will become like Him. And as we gaze upon Him, we will be transformed. As we sit in our room and as we allow ourselves to be inundated, inundated by the presence of God and saturated by His goodness, saturated by His kindness, it says that it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. Do you know how good He is? Do you know how faithful He is? Do you know how desperately He's pouring Himself out for you that you might know the goodness of His nature? He just wants you. He's violently pursuing your heart, destroying everything He can in the way to get to you. And in fact, you just need to turn around. In fact, we just need to clear the distractions a bit and just sit at His feet. That we would be ones that are known like the prostitute who when she heard that Jesus was in the city, that she came running. And even though it was a formal setting, she came and she broke the alabaster flask of her ointment, of a year's wages of work. A year's wages of debauchery poured out on the face, on the feet of Jesus. And she begins to weep and she begins to wash his feet with her hair. He would be madly in love with Jesus. That we would pursue Him. Because I can't give you a methodology. I can't give you a step-by-step guide on how to fulfill your calling in life. Because I can't turn your head knowledge into heart revelation. Only God can do that. Some of you are asking the question, God, how do I stop sinning? Go spend time with Jesus. How do I walk in the gifts of the Spirit? Go spend time with Jesus. How do I build a better marriage? Go spend time with Jesus. How do I make friends in this life? Go be with Jesus. I feel so lonely and depressed. Go be with Jesus. I'm broken and I'm hurting. Go be with Jesus. If you think there's more than Jesus, I'm sorry, but you are mistaken. And you will be utterly disappointed. If we can have everyone upstanding. And as I'm speaking, hearts are beginning to burn. As I'm speaking, hearts are beginning to be stirred for Jesus. Like, man, I just want Jesus. We're going to open the altar here in in a very brief moment. If you want to encounter Jesus this morning, maybe you're tired, maybe you're weary. 
Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you've been addicted to stuff and you need freedom. Maybe you're suffering with anxiety or depression and you need freedom. Maybe your life is on the rocks. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe everything that you're going through is a living hell. Or maybe everything is awesome and you just want more of the richness of His goodness. You see, if you would imagine a buffet, everything you could ever imagine is laying before you. And the absurdity of coming to it and just taking a cherry tomato and then going back is, is quite absurd. You see, He's calling us to indulge in His goodness. He's calling us to indulge in all that He has for us. If you want more of Jesus, as we begin to worship, I just want you to come to the front. I believe that you're going to have an encounter with Him this morning.